0: Well, we are continuing in our series of God's pursuit, redemptive pursuit through us. It is his story and what is going on. If you remember two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus being the perfect prophet, priest, and king for us. That he is the one who empowers us and gives us strength and moves us forward into who we are supposed to truly be. That he is the one that is the plan. He is the truth and the life, and what God used and moved through in order to pursue us at our fullest. Jeremiah puts it this way when he's talking about this. In Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, it says this, Behold, the days are coming, That's where we're at, at this very moment, at this place. You know what's great about life? Food. Food. I love food. You know what happened last night here in Fremantle? There was a food truck festival. You know what a food truck festival is? It's when all sorts of different types of food get brought together in an area. Cooked by all different types of people in these little stalls or food trucks. Now, the greatest thing about it is this. It's a variety of food. So you don't go and you not just have all everybody has sausages. You know, you know, we got a sausage here and a sausage. But, but what you have is, uh, here you have a barbecue, a Reuben sandwich. And here you have Middle Eastern food. And here you maybe have uh, vegetarian food. And over here you have poutine, which if you've never had poutine, it's fries with gravy and meat and cheese curds. It's so good. So good. And they had four varieties last night at the uh, food. So all sorts of types of food. Now the benefit of having five children is this. They won't necessarily all choose the same kind of food. And I get to take a tax on what they choose. So I get to taste all. Of, and I know you're looking at me and going, Lee doesn't like food that much. There's no way that Lee likes food, but, but it's, it's the fact. I do love food. There is something about it that you just have to enjoy when there's that many choices and that many things. I know it can paralyze some people. I know it can make them go, how, what, how do I choose? I, I just say all. <laughs> That's the way to choose. All. Food is great. I love to cook it. I love to smell it. I love to eat it. I like to buy it. I like to find the best parts of it. There's really hardly any food that I don't like. Apples, weirdly enough. When we come to this place that we're at today, when we come to this very otherworldly pursuit that God has for us, he knows us well enough to know that we need something that is tangible to remind us of his pursuit for us. And he chose food. There's a lady named Sarah Mills. and I don't necessarily agree with everything that Sarah says. But she wrote a memoir about her wife. And it was called Take This Bread. And I want to read to you part of her memoir. says this, one early cloudy morning when I was 46, I walked into a church and ate a piece of bread and took a sip of wine. A routine Sunday activity for tens of millions of Americans, except that up until that moment, I had led a thoroughly secular life. At best, indifferent to religion, more often appalled by its fundamentalist crusades. This was my first communion, and it changed everything. She says, this mysterious mysterious sacrament turned out to be not a symbolic wafer at all, but actual food, indeed the bread of life. And in that shocking moment of communion, filled with the deep desire to reach for and become part of a body, I realized that it's what I'd been doing with my life all along. So I did. I took communion. does through Jesus Christ when he institutes the Lord's Supper for us is he gives us this tangible solid earthy what we celebrate every week feast that reminds us of his redemptive pursuit and he introduces us to what the new covenant really is now remember God's not changing his plans here That throughout his pursuit, we have seen from creation up to the point of Jesus, that creation was created good. That sin comes in and affects it. But at the very beginning, and even still today, creation is good because it rests in God. And in God's creation of good, he had set out what our lives are supposed to be. A A right relationship with him. A right relationship with ourselves, knowing who we're called to be. Which is cultural makers and cultural caregivers. A right relationship with one another that we're called into community to know and love and understand one another and be known and loved and understood by those around us. And a right relationship with place that he doesn't leave us just sort of holding on for dear life, but he puts us solidly somewhere for us, what? To do ministry and serve and care for that place. We know that sin comes in and he breaks it apart, right? But God preserves it through Noah. And he keeps going on through Moses as he calls out the Israelite nation after he's called Abraham. And remember, the patriarchs remind us that we are not really all that messed up. If you look at their lives, they're as messed up as we are. But that God uses them and walks through them to keep his pursuit going. And here, Jesus has said, I'm the perfect prophet, priest, and king. And institutes a new covenant. Well, what's new about it? Jesus. Jesus is the new thing about it. He's the one who overcomes everything. And he uses bread and wine. What are the three things that we see taking place within this supper? What are the three things that it calls us to in this supper? One is remembrance. The second one is proclamation. And the third one is hope. So let's talk about remembrance. What is the thing that we remember that we remember every Sunday as we partake of this solid thing. We remember the work of the saving grace of Jesus. That we remember Christ being our perfect prophet, priest and king. That we remember what God's pursuit was all about. That I was dead, but through Christ I've been made alive. That I was lost, but through Christ I am now found. That I was hopeless, but through Christ I am filled with hope. We remember the cross. We remember that he who was not sin became sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's what we remember when we take the bread and drink the juice. we Remember it in our hearts, and it pushes us forward. What do we proclaim? We proclaim this, that God somehow, in his marvelous providence and care, has particularly saved me. We proclaim that God's pursuit is a particular pursuit, that he goes after the lost sheep, that he looks for the lost coin, that he pursues with all passion and energy those who are lost. It's particular, right? When we take the bread, it goes into one body, our body, right? But it's not just particular. We don't just proclaim my salvation. What we proclaim is also his universal and corporate moving. His taking us out of our particularness and placing us into a body. Now, we're going to talk a lot more about the body next week. But just real quickly, as we look at it, we know this. What is the promise of God? I will be your God and you will be my people. Not you will be my person. He didn't want one. He wanted a group. And so it seems that our redemption is particular. But our salvation is corporate. Our salvation, this great mystery of salvation, brings us together. It tells us that we're never alone. So that when we are taking this supper, this earthy thing, in our remembrance we also proclaim that God has knitted us together. And here's the most profound mystery of all. Not just us here in this building, but those who take it everywhere, through all time and space. That we, even as we participate in it, are taking it with the apostles when Jesus instituted it. Because Jesus knew how it would spread out. Where it would happen. And then hope. And where do we see that? Well, we see it in Matthew, where he says, I will not take it. Partake of the fruit of the vine until I come again. See, Jesus within that is saying to them, guys, I am coming again. There is something to look forward to. Not just a, sort of up high in the sky looking forward, but a tangible. Why do we know it's tangible? Because it's tied to this bread and this juice. He says, I am coming again to bring about the completion of, of what God's pursuit has been about all along. The redemption of you completely. The honoring and celebrating of who God is completely. See, it's within these movements that we have this remembering and this proclamation and and this hope that comes, this looking forward, that it really moves us beyond a sense of, well, that's just bread and juice. And let's be honest, it's not really even bread, it's a little wafer. Here, right? That it's so far beyond that. It's a proclamation of his pursuit for us. And it breaks us down, it should break us down all the time. Look, Rich Mullins wrote a song about communion. Rich Mullins is a singer, he's passed away. And this is what he says. And listen to these words. He says, though we're strangers, still I love you. I love you more than your mask. And you know you have to trust me, this to be true. And I know that's much to ask. But lay down your fears. Come and join this feast. He has called us here, you and me. And may peace rain down from heaven like little pieces of the sky. Little keepers of the promise, falling on this soul's the drought has dried. In his blood and in his body, in the bread and in this wine, peace to you, the peace of Christ to you. And though I love you, still we're strangers, prisoners in these lonely hearts. And though our blindness separates us, still his light shines in the dark. And his outstretched arms are still strong enough to reach behind the prison walls to set us free, and may peace rain down from heaven, like little pieces of the sky, little keepers of the promise, falling on these souls. The drought is dried, in His blood and in His body, in the bread and in this wine. Peace to you. The peace of peace of Christ to you. Listen, the mystery in what we do in proclaiming, and remembering, and gathering our hope. This mystery that takes place within this act of communion. This mystery in a world that is filled with uncertainty, that is filled with voices that claim stability. These voices that only lead us to division and confusion. This mystery is the only hope that we have. It is the only thing that moves us beyond ourselves, it's the only thing that we can recognize that joins us together. When we come to this place where Jesus says, this is the new covenant. It is our undoing, and it is our redemption. When we see Jesus, it should break us, but build us up. It is our confrontation, but it is our comfort. When we see Jesus in these elements, when we recognize His work, His manifest glory within it, that idea that Jesus is our all in all, like we said two weeks ago, that He's not just the answer to the question, that He's the question. It is our confrontation, but it is our comfort as well. Jesus made flesh as our perfect prophet, priest, and king breaks in. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. We take it into ourselves and we receive nourishment from it. So how does that affect us? What does that cause us to do? Well, the first thing it does is we keep doing what we do every week. It tells us the story of the gospel every week that we were lost. But now we're found that we needed a savior and that he's come in flesh, God in flesh to save us. And so we proclaim it every week. It's been said this, that to forsake this weekly, to not do it every week is like a hungry man who skips three meals to wait, three meals a week to wait for the feast on Sunday. We don't do that. We should look at it and feast on it every week the way that we do. What else should it cause us to do? It should cause us to remember and be open to places and people around us, to know that it's not our table that we have set up, but it's the Lord's table, and he invites who he wants to invite to it. He's the one who brings those who should know his hope and his mercy and grace. Sarah Mills in her book, goes on to tell the story of her life, and how by taking that communion, by that one Sunday where she walked in, it completely transformed her in understanding who Jesus was. Now, like I said, I don't necessarily agree with everything that Sarah says, but I do agree when she says this. She says, but this is my belief, that at the heart of Christianity, is a power that continues to speak to and transforms us. As I found to my surprise and alarm, it could speak even to me. Not in a sappy Jesus and cookies tone of a mild-mannered liberal Christianity, or the blustering, blaming hellfire of the religious right. What I heard, and I continue to hear, is a voice that can crack religious and political convictions open that advocates for the least qualified, the least official, the least likely, that upsets the established order and makes a joke of certainty. It proclaims against reason that the hungry will be fed, that those cast down will be raised up, that all things, including my own failures, are being made new. It offers food without exception to the worthy and the unworthy, to the screwed up and the pious, and then commands everyone to do the same. Pushes us to show mercy to those around us. It doesn't promise to solve or erase suffering, but to transform it. Pledging that by loving one another, even through pain, we will find more life. And insist that by opening ourselves to strangers, the despised or the frightening or the unintelligible others, we will see more and more of the holy. Since without exception, all people are one body, God's says this. This theology is not mine alone. It comes from conversations with other believers, traditions, and scripture, books, and prayer, and liturgy. It comes even more from my years outside of the church, from unbelieving and unbelievers, from doubts, from questions that still echo unanswered in me. Faith for me isn't an argument, a catechism, a philosophical proof. It is instead a way of life, a willingness to act. And she ends by saying this. As the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a moment that comes when we receive a meal, when, when we get that food and it's brought to us and set in front of us. The only thing at that point that we can do, the only thing we can do after we take our quick Instagram photo and post it, If we don't, that food is worthless. It does nothing for us. Jesus' pursuit, God's pursuit for us through Jesus is bringing us to the place, it brings us to the table every week where we have to go, do I eat or do I turn away? And that is for all who have ever believed and those who have yet to believe. Every time, we must say, do I eat or do I turn away? God's pursuit says to us, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Father, you are good to us. And we praise you because you are our goodness, our holiness, our righteousness. You are the one who overcomes all our despair. You don't answer all our questions, but you are the answer. You are the question. You are the all in all. Father, we rest in you alone. Let us take and eat and know that you are good. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray.